0: I felt this profound sense of permission from um, the Lord to be okay with feeling what I was feeling, to not
1: feel bad for feeling anger. Welcome to Hope Renewed, helping you find new hope when ministry leaves you hopeless. The Hope Renewed podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. Here are your hosts. Tom Jameson, and Sean Nimichek.
2: Well, today on Hope Renewed, we are glad to welcome Monty Harrington, who's the event coordinator with Renovare. Monty, welcome to Hope Renewed. Yeah, welcome, Monty.
0: Well, thank you for inviting me. It's it's an honor to be here with, uh, with the PIR ministries. I just have a lot of respect for uh, what you guys do in your ministry.
2: Well, you're very kind to say that. Thank you. Hey, as as we welcome you in here, would you briefly just tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry journey?
0: Yeah, so I've always been in um, some kind of ministry. Uh, When I was in my 20s, I worked for a mission organization that worked with uh, people in Honduras, Central America, and my wife and I actually lived in that country for a year as missionaries, uh, and then I transitioned to a, uh, social service agency and, uh, was a director of what was called enterprise programs. And that was, uh, anything that made a profit for the nonprofit. So we did, uh, a thrift store and online sales and, uh, different things to kind of help fund the ministry. Uh, and then I transitioned to, um, public education and worked in an elementary school. Uh, So not traditionally Christian ministry, but it felt very Mm -hmm. much uh, (laughs) uh, like ministry because I was at a uh, school that had 90% free and reduced lunch, which means they had uh, a lot of high risk kids. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up uh, through technology, uh, working with those kids, technology uh, network manager was my position but I ended up developing a lot of relationships with those kids. And then um, that led me to uh, Renovari. And now I've worked with them for the past four years as their events coordinator. Um, It was interesting. I'd worked on the side with Renovari for probably the past 20 years as kind of my side gig, Mm -hmm. helping them with their regional conferences. Um, And so uh, then in 2019, I ended up having a conversation uh, with them and became full-time, uh, right before COVID hit. So mm. <laughs> <It> was...
2: <laughs> interesting. What a
3: time to be an advance coordinator.
0: <laughs> I got really good at canceling things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
2: so Renovari, uh, help us understand that a little bit. What, what is Renovari? Um, how, yeah. how, how did that spring up as a ministry?
0: So Renovari was started by Richard Foster and Richard Foster wrote the book called celebration of discipline. Uh, I believe it was almost 40 years ago now. Yeah, And so, uh, Richard really saw a need, uh, back then he called it bringing the church, to the churches of kind of highlighting, uh, the historical church and these disciplines of prayer, fasting, meditation, contemplation, um, bringing those disciplines uh, to the evangelical church uh, who had kind of seemed to have forgotten them. And so he started that uh, organization and the organization really is about kind of modeling and providing resources uh, and to help people experience fullness of life with God. Um, And uh, we're very ecumenical. We say we have a very wide tent. Um, And, but at the end of the day, Renovari is um, helping people become more like Jesus um, to help people um, look in the mirror, you know, 20 years later and say, I'm different. I, I, my spiritual life is different. I, I am acting and behaving in, in ways that are, are more like Christ, and so that's that's really our main goal. And we do that, you know, through our website. We have a podcast. We do webinars. We do events. Um, we have a program called the Renovari Institute, which is kind of like a, a spiritual formation certificate program. And uh, so we are a small organization, a staff of nine, um, and so uh, yeah that's that's renovari.
2: it 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 sounds like it's a a soul care kind of focus is spiritual formation as you said that's right yeah
0: yeah Yeah, in a lot of ways uh spirit um richard foster and other people like dallas willard would be kind of credited for um bringing the spiritual formation movement uh to the evangelical church to the modern evangelical Mm. church and so that is uh uh, spiritual formation is, is the language that we speak for sure.
2: Mm, yeah. And, and if you'll allow me that
0: what does Renovare mean? Renovare is the Latin word for to be renewed. Prior to your work with
3: Renovare, what are some of the highest and lows of uh, ministry for you? I
0: think the highest for me are always the people that I get to work with and to be around so in Honduras, you know, we were the we were the second Americans to be in this little village, kind of out in the jungle, uh, and to uh, experience that culture and experience those people, and and to see life through a different lens uh, was a highlight for me. You know, where uh, that culture lives on less than a dollar a day. And uh, and to see how they navigated that, uh, but to also see their rich spiritual heritage and and just how alive for God that they were, and how real their faith seemed. So that was a highlight. You know, the in our family we say, "What are the highlights and the lowlights?" the 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 low light is just. Um, a friend of mine early in ministry said, "You have to understand that fifty percent of your ministry will be ministry, and then fifty percent of it will be, you know, crap." Is this, but he used a more <laughs> colorful adjective, <laughs> and and uh, you know that that seems to have panned out. That mm-hmm. there, you know, in in when you're doing ministry, it's almost like you have to wade through a lot of muck. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in order to in order to do that. And so that's always, um, is always the challenge of of not, I think of not letting yourself, keeping yourself waiting in the muck and not bathing in the muck you know because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can really get to that where it's just like well never mind yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here because <laughs> mm. it's not worth it so I would say that's probably been the the biggest challenge for sure
3: yeah that that tendency to wallow in the the pain of ministry can can really be tempting at times um. Our podcast is really dedicated to helping hurting pastors find hope, and sometimes we do that by sharing uh, just our stories of ministry pain. Um, You and I had a great conversation uh, last spring, and I wonder if you would uh, just uh, tell us that story, uh, and and maybe we can explore that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So... uh... Yeah, if I get emotional, I'll apologize now, uh, <laughs> but about a year ago this time, uh, my family, we we lost our home church of 15 years uh, through a series of events that included a change in the senior pastoral leadership, and so what that meant is that my wife was fired. She worked at the church, and she was fired after receiving an excellent review of Mm. of her of her job and my daughter who had felt called to the mission field and was getting ready to launch onto the mission field um no longer felt that call uh, because she didn't feel safe and uh so for her the church of her childhood um was no longer safe and this was the church that was supposed to commission her um and so you know uh, not to stay on this but essentially to kind of sum it up it it felt like our church transitioned from being a loving equitable congregation to kind of uh, a celebrity driven leadership congregation mm-hmm. um and that and i have noticed that seems to be a trend it seems to have been a trend and um, still happening today. So, you know, without getting in, in, into all the sordid details, that's that's kind of a, a summary of, of what happened. We essentially lost our, our congregation.
3: How long had you been at this church?
0: We'd been there 15 years. Yeah. We had raised our kids in that church and, uh, you know, uh, had lots of friends in that church. Uh, so... It was, mm-hmm. it, it very much felt like a death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting cause, uh, I had lost my, I lost my brother in a car accident last year and mm-hmm. I don't know, Sean, I had lost my mom in April. Wow. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, the hardest grief was this grief of the church to be honest. Um, and I don't know why that was, but but it that's the way it really ended up being for our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it felt like the death of of someone.
3: So we've had uh, conversations just just a bunch of them this year, even with uh, associate pastors, people on staff of churches who have had a similar experience. Um, the uh, the church moves in the direction of having either a celebrity pastor or they hire a narcissistic pastor. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the people who have been working faithfully for the church find themselves on the outside. Um, yeah. What was this like for your family during this time?
0: That's a good question. I think it was probably the hardest thing that my wife and I had ever gone through in our 30 years of marriage. Um, like I said before, it, it definitely felt like a death of a loved one in many ways. Um, you know, the church that we had knew was lo- that knew and loved was gone. Um, and I think the hardest thing is that, um, a good part of the congregation, not everyone we know now seem to be okay with the transition. They seem to be all right that the church had moved, you know, kind of into this celebrity-driven dr- culture, and and that was really hard because you, th- because we thought we thought we knew them to be different, right? To be mm-hmm. to be people that would have kind of uh, uh, sensed that and been like, no, that's that's not our congregation. That was the hardest thing, I think for our family and in a lot of ways it felt like we're in a rural small town we're among the orange groves uh in in florida and uh it felt at the time we know this now not to be true but it felt at the time like the whole town had turned on us Mm. that that like you know we we didn't open our curtains anymore we were careful when we went to the store um we uh we just felt really alone Mm -hmm. now you know to to put a positive uh spin on that is that we did we had friends that were walking with us the whole time through that and and kind of even carrying us at some point and the and the Renovari staff you know they were keeping their eyes on my family and me uh throughout this whole time so that that wasn't the the truth but um but that's how it felt and and i know that's how it felt for my daughter as well um a a very you know just alone in a a lot of ways
3: what a gift to have people who uh who are willing to walk with you uh and make sure that they're checking in on you and you're doing okay Uh, a lot of people don't have that gift
0: yeah that's right sean uh, and I really did. I see it, and saw then as a gift because I knew that's right. There are a lot of people um, that do have to navigate these things by themselves, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I. That was a grace that that we were given, for mm-hmm. sure.
2: Boy, Monty, what you say is just—it's so descriptive of. Um, Unfortunately, case after case after case uh, of um, hurt that happens within the church, uh, and um, kind of the fallout that 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 comes. I, Sean's probably sick of me saying this, or listeners too, but I always equate it to like a bomb going off. Yeah. Uh, you know, when when something like this happens, and in those first you know days and weeks, you talk about keeping the curtains shut, uh, avoiding people or, or being careful where you are. I always think, you know, with my exit, I just, I couldn't take, I couldn't look at people. I just walked around with my eyes down mm. and there's a disorientation uh, uh, that takes us from uh, what you said. It, it's hard to know what's true, what's real. Uh, and, and to have those, those pillars like friends who can come around you just to to remind you what is true uh, and how crucial that is. What, what were some of the other things that you found helpful and are finding helpful? Because I know this doesn't just, Oh, we're done. And we're yeah. moving on, you know, to navigate through uh, what that was like and continues to be like.
0: That's a good question. Um, I think, I think helpful for me was to be out, I felt this profound sense of permission from um, the Lord to be okay with feeling what I was feeling, to not Mm -hmm. feel bad for feeling anger. Now I did though. It's interesting to think about that. And definitely I've gone through the stages of grief for sure that, you know, the denial, the anger, the bargaining depression, Mm -hmm. if that's a house I've spent, time in each one of those rooms and and probably still even on a daily basis you're going to you're going to spend time in each of those rooms uh you know i think spending more time in acceptance which is kind of the end of that now but but allowing myself to be sad and not feeling bad for it cuz i think a lot of people in ministry I, I think we're so used to um girding ourselves up like it's fine I, I can do, you know, I'm in ministry. I was built for this, you know, <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bulletproof. I can, I, you know, I can, I can take this. It's, <laughs> it's, I I believe that that's a narrative that a lot of us in ministry take on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and it was a grace that I got the permission to be angry. Um, it was interesting how Jesus talking to the Pharisees, how those scriptures really leapt out of the pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but then also I kind of had this, tr- this um, transition where my anger ended up getting really dark and I hadn't experienced that ever before in my life um, where, you know, there was just a lot of darkness that was, um it feels like the enemy was presenting me like, well, have you thought about doing this? You know, and it's like, Mm. no, I haven't ever thought about doing things like that. And, and in that moment, then that's when I ended up getting help, like, uh, talking Mm. to uh, some of the Renovari staff of like, um, I've never experienced this darkness. I'm, 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 I'm asking for a kind of a rope here to, to, to pull me out. So, I think it, allowing yourself permission to experience the pain is okay, but also monitoring to make sure that mm-hmm. you know, like we talked about before, you're not you're not wallowing. Um, not that there's a switch that you'll click or that mm-hmm. you'll switch on that'll make it go away, but I think the other thing that was helpful was um, continuing. I had established kind of I hate to call it quiet time because that is such. <laughs> like a an overused <laughs> word it just reminds me of my church upbringing you know and and but but I guess my time with god every morning I, I take time to you know meditate be quiet um and and um just spend time uh, with the lord but also in that that was not the time to start studying something or, or doing rigorous, uh, activity in my quiet time. It really was a time to just sit there Mm -hmm. and say, you know, Lord, your servant is listening. Uh, do, do you have anything for me today? Being okay with him, you know, maybe just not saying anything, but maybe just, you know, feeling like a hand on your shoulder or not, you know, yeah. Um, hey,
2: to pick up your
0: image, it, it
2: sounds like you know you're inviting God to be in the room with you exactly as you go That's in it. these different rooms. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, mine. Uh, I go outside every morning. Being in Florida, I'm able to do that, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's that was very, very helpful of just um knowing that He was walking through with me knowing that uh, he was really, really proud of me uh, mm. through this, mm. and, and not feeling any condemnation. I think this this is good. I, I feel like I should pay you guys for therapy here. <laughs>
3: There's nothing more healing than just being in the loving presence of Christ, being aware of his presence with you, and just letting him sit with you, even if he doesn't say a thing, just being with him in silence. It can be one of the most healing things that we can experience
0: and also to yeah, i think in these situations especially uh, tom your your picture of a bomb is 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 right on i think when these things in ministry happen to us uh, there's certain things in ministry that we can take responsibility for right like there's certain situations in ministry where you're like yeah i actually had a hand in that i need to apologize i need to make you know i need to reconcile there are those situations But some of these situations where it's kind of they're happening to you and there's no there's no sense of why it happened to you. One thing is, is, is to know that you're not crazy. Mm. Um, And and then in many ways, you didn't do anything. Um, You know, was there little things that my wife could have done? Probably. But in this situation, there was nothing that she did that wasn't, you know out of the ordinary, uh, you know, healthy conflict. I mean, there there, there wasn't anything that she did that, that warranted, you know, being brutally fired, you know, asked to clean out her desk that day. You know, there was nothing that she did to warrant that. And so the enemy's voice can really get in your head of saying, you know, yeah, If you had done this different, if you'd done this different, and and, and that's, that's not the truth in these particular situations. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, in, in kind of these celebrity driven narcissistic situations, if, if they've decided that you're, you're not a part of the team, there, there's not anything you can do. Yeah. Uh, and so to give yourself, uh, you know, to tell yourself that there is, there's nothing that you can do. And, and that you're not crazy. Uh, for sure um yeah that that seems to be so key because
2: you know you think of what's going on inside the mind of of someone who who is um thinking differently right (laughs) about reality than maybe uh most folks do um and uh, yeah so much so much of what we're learning about narcissism and and the dynamics that come with that that just make no sense at all right um to to be reminded uh of what is true where the stable ground is where you can set your feet and and either hold on or or find that safe place to to move from yeah Um, Mm. that's so crucial I'm I'm curious, you know, with your work with Renovare um, in this time, as you've navigated and your your wife and your family as well, uh, have there been any disciplines or practices that have become new to you or suddenly take on a deeper meaning? Uh, you mentioned just kind of that sitting quietly and recognizing uh, the presence of Christ.
0: Um, other things? Yeah, there has. I'm very grateful. To the Lord for this, because even before this happened, I kind of felt this leading to memorize Psalms 27, except, I mean, I I really do hate memorizing things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I,
0: if, if I'm being honest, I know that it's good. You know, one of our team members, Dallas Willard from Renovari, talked about so much about how key memorization was. Mm-hmm. So I felt this, this calling, but I didn't want to do it. But I felt this permission to essentially take the first two lines of Psalm 27 and put it on a cue card or not a cue card on a on an index card Mm -hmm. and take 15 minutes and just say those two lines over and over. Now, me, I'm, you know, a lot of times I have a hard time sitting. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a person that just likes to be moving. Uh, That's one of my favorite things about events is that you're just constantly moving, you know, of -hmm. of checking on things, and so and and that's that is definitely my personality. So it's hard for me to sit in a chair and to look at a scripture and say that over and over for 15 minutes. Um, That feels cruel (laughs) to me. (laughs) So I received this permission to uh, to do um, yard work like pulling weeds something that doesn't take thought. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's been amazing. And I also kind of felt this spirit say, you know, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to memorize this. Um, we're going to go really slow. And so, uh, you know, the first line of Psalms 27 is "The Lord is my light, and my salvation. That was very healing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: and then it goes on to talk about your enemies and that you're safe and then he puts you in his tent. Mm. it was okay to memorize this way i just encourage people in ministry to think you know it doesn't all have to be you know i th- i think we come up with these rules in our mind of how things are supposed to be when we're working with the, with the father of, mm-hmm. you know, that we need to, we need to be in a, in a, you know, almost like, like monks, you know, like we need to be in a plain room with a journal and and we just need <laughs> to be writing, you know, and having all these epiphanies and these incredible moments. And, and that's not, I just don't think that's true. Uh, I think he can come to you um, and care for you and uh, in many different ways. And so for me, that was such a grace to do that yard work every morning and pull the, and and still do um, pull it. Cause you know, here in Florida, there's always things to cut and trim. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Plenty of opportunities. And so I do that and I'm, you know, I'm only halfway through that chapter and it's been over a year, but to spend that 15 minutes of you know uh, one part of the verse he's, he's set me high on a rock well, what would that look like what would that look like in my own context really kind of you know the the lectio divina that renovari talks about of of not just reading the scripture but but letting the scripture saturate into your um into your body Hmm. That's been that's been so helpful to me and it's and it's I can honestly say it has helped me uh, walk through this time of our life for sure uh, and and be consistent with that.
2: It, it sounds like God using your pain to invite you into a deeper experience of himself. Yeah, uh, And you know we at PIR we talk about the redemptive value of pain and and not wasting that
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: yeah but leaning into that and finding thank what a beautiful example of exactly doing
0: that mm-hmm. yeah you know, i think i think that's so key what you're saying because i think in these situations you know especially in the kind of the stages of grief this denial you're like like this shouldn't be happening right mm-hmm. like this and And like, for me, it's like, like, this can't have been God's will for this to happen. Mm. Now, maybe it was, but, but I, but I don't know that it was um, because one observation I've had through this is that I can see my wife and my daughter ending up in the places they are now uh, if that hadn't had happened. If mm-hmm. if you know, if they can get mm-hmm. my my wife, you know, her her plan was to eventually transition out of the church into full-time counseling, uh, which she's you know, she's doing now. Um, I could definitely see my daughter on the mission field. Um but one thing my uh I have a co-worker, Carolyn Ahrens, that works with Renovari and and I remember bringing this question to her and she's like, you know, God will always use bad for good. And I've really noticed that in a lot of people's different situations. And I would just say that to people that are going through that now. He always will it it seems like he's even when people when ministry people suffer situations like this. It's almost like what happens not all the time, but but he he's even like doubly gracious um mm. and and these incredible amazing things happen that people had n- had never thought about um and and i see that happening a lot but i would also say that sometimes um then the people that cause the hurt will use that as a scapegoat mm. we'll say see everything worked out fine <laughs> and, and i and i would just push back on that of of of, no, I don't, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I still don't think it was necessary, but I think God is so gracious when it does happen. And yeah. that, and mm-hmm. that is his grace yeah. and his mercy um, seem to uh, almost kind of be on hyperdrive in a yeah. lot of ways. It it doesn't excuse, doesn't excuse it. The, the sinfulness
2: of the event. That's right. But Thanks be to God. Yeah, who takes? Yeah, and there's so much. I mean, that's so rich. There's so much in it. Um, Have you drawn any kind of lessons about leadership and and ministry through this experience?
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to go through this. It's interesting to go through this being a ministry leader that works with other ministry leaders, and so um, I've often said, you know, we we were in darkness, I would say we were a good six months. Mm-hmm. But like like every once in a while I'd pop on the headlamp to take notes, <laughs> like you mm-hmm. know, like what I was experiencing because I knew from the beginning of this that there were other people that were sadly were going to experience what we experienced. Mm-hmm. Um but I also saw it as an opportunity to to learn something um and so one of the things i've kind of as i've kind of processed through this is that i've i've learned that in many situations in the american evangelical church uh, including mine spiritual maturity can be associated with successful business practices Mm. and and affluence Mm -hmm. and so if you're successful at business and you have money you're a good candidate to become an elder, a deacon, yeah, or even a pastor. Uh, and so what happens is that then the church is is billing itself as kind of a safe family business. And then when these when these transitions happen, they turn into the kind of the faceless, cruel corporation yeah that oh, deals wow. with conflict yeah. in in yeah. a really cruel way instead of being the family that they had billed themselves to be, um, uh, but just, but yeah, I mean, that's what the church builds itself. We're a family, right? And we, we work mm-hmm. it out as a family and anyone that has, you know, been in family knows that it can get ugly and that, you know, you have to work it out. You have, there's feelings hurt. There's apologies that have to be made, but you're still a family at the end of the day. Like you don't, you yeah. don't push your family out, um, that that's an observation uh, and i and I would just say if if my passion for working with people through innovavari was a campfire, it's a it's a bonfire now mm-hmm. of of helping people work through that yeah i and and i a couple I caught a couple of things that we talked about i have learned of where um, ministries want to use a scapegoat when when something good happens um but yeah, that's that's one of the key things that I, I've learned. I also learned about, I didn't have words for the, the celebrity-driven culture before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Scott McKnight's book, A Church Called Tove, has been very helpful mm-hmm. to me through this process. I don't know, like, I wouldn't suggest that people read it right after maybe something mm-hmm. happens with them. <laughs> Because uh, it can kind of bring some PTSD, mm-hmm. um, but it but it's been very helpful to kind of help me learn the difference between um, uh, a, a, this kind of family church culture um, where everybody's in it together versus this there's one person leading mm-hmm. and every everything goes through them.
3: You know, we've seen a rise in the number of books about things like this. Uh, Chuck DeGroat wrote, When Narcissism Comes to Church. We had him on the podcast last year, and uh, there's a new book out called Celebrities for Jesus by Caitlin Beatty, where she examines this this whole culture. Um, now, I don't want to say every celebrity-type pastor is a narcissist. Uh, far from it. But there does seem to be some overlap there from time to time.
0: Um I would agree with that.
3: Yeah. What would you say to people who um, find themselves in a similar situation that you and your wife were in, uh, who have been uh, forced out because the, the senior leader can't handle a little bit of conflict um, or because the church is rallying around the senior leader to protect them and everybody else gets shoved to the side?
0: I would say, you know, I would say find someone that you can talk to. And and I would say if you, even if you don't have people around you or people that you can trust of finding a spiritual director, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's even a directory of spiritual directors that you could find um, to find a spiritual director that you can talk to, or even a counselor, especially if you're, if you're feeling emotions of grief, um, a, a good counselor is going to they're going to recognize grief so they're going to be able to help you through that. Uh, and then if you do have friends that you know you can trust um, to to lean on them um, and and to be okay, you know, taking the long walks um, because it is helpful. you know for us our group kind of ended up leaving the church. Uh, and and feeling uh, our group of friends really kind of ended up feeling that the church had done this to them as well, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was helpful to be them to kind of say, "Well, now nah, I'm not crazy, right?" Because of this, of this, and mm-hmm. it, it's like, "Yeah, like this is," um, and and you know, uh, some of our friends like went to bat for us, you know, confronted our our church leadership. Uh, with you know, not the right. They didn't get the right answers for sure. Mm. It was kind of this double down of our decision is our decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I would say that was the main thing. And then, as I said before, you know, if you can make space for that time with God of of being quiet, and um, this sounds so elementary, but you know, giving yourself permission to breathe and taking deep breaths. And, you know, there's a lot of science behind that. Um, Hmm. You know, when working events, I'll work with people that are speaking. And when they're nervous, I'll say, you know, nervousness is your brain not getting enough oxygen. And so if you'll take five deep breaths, you'll actually notice your nervousness start to subside. And I would say that even, you know, as you're going through this trauma, like, it's actually very helpful to just take a moment and take deep breaths you know cuz you're you're climbing a mountain in a lot of ways it's mm-hmm, funny mm-hmm. last week we were in phoenix and i the retreat center is behind this mountain called camelback mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh and a lot of people will know that and so I climbed Camelback, but apparently I, I took the harder trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why and, do the easy one? Why do they easy? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it was such an analogy because at the end of Camelback, you have what's called a scramble and that's where you you're just like, there's not even a path anymore. There's just these reflectors that they've glued on these rocks and boulders. And you're just supposed to climb on the rocks in between the reflectors. Like, like that's the path, but like, I found myself every couple minutes just having to stop and to catch my breath and to just be attentional Mm -hmm. about my breathing. And I really is kind of like the Holy spirit was like, yeah, kind of like we've been doing right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, I would really counsel just, to be okay with breathing. And and in this, as you're going through the trauma, acknowledging that you've suffered trauma mm-hmm. is, is such a key thing. Um, and, and to just let your body um, deal with that and know, you know, that I, I think in ministry, one of our, one of our things that we do is we throw ourselves, we throw ourselves into the next thing to to deal with the pain Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. and that i would just counsel is probably the last thing that you want to do yes um you want to give yourself permission to rest now you know it's hard because like you know we were down one income Mm -hmm. you know we Mm -hmm. were blowing through our savings like nobody's business and so there are things that you know you have to do to kind of stabilize the ship um, and so you have to do those things for sure, but when you can, I think uh, resting is is key. So many of these
2: practices sound like what is at the heart of Renovare, yeah. um, and, and so it's making a little transition here, but still picking up on these same themes. Um, so Renovare is uh, focused on helping, as you said, uh, helping followers of Jesus to deepen their lives in Christ through through these practices, through these disciplines, through that engagement with God at these deeper levels uh, of who That's we right. are. Um how how does Renovar age ministry maybe specifically help pastors since a large part of our audience are, are pastors?
0: Yeah, you know I mean one, it's with our our resources in encouragement, uh, you know, through our, our podcast, uh, it's it's highlighting, you know, um, people like Teresa of Avila or um, Augustine. People have come before us uh, to people now like Dallas Willard and Richard Foster and 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 other people. It's it's giving resources that encourage people to continue on this journey. Um, and then specifically to pastors, we just, last year was our first year to launch the, our pastor's retreat that PIR was at. And I, you know, I'm not supposed to have favorite events. Uh, <laughs> they're, like, they're like children, right? You can't have yeah, favorites. Right. <laughs> but if I were leaning towards one, it probably would be the this pastor's retreat that we have establish um, I love it because it's designed specifically to be a safe place for pastors mm. um, It's not their denominational pastors mm. retreat because you know sadly sometimes those aren't safe places either. And so it is a group of um, peers. it's it's only for pastors. We, uh, limit it to just 45 pastors. So it's a very small group of people. Um, and we really talk about your own spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. How is your own, uh, life with Christ going? Uh, you know, there's this great quote from Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, that I want to read that just, it sums up for me. And he wrote, uh, if then you are wise, you will show yourself rather as a reservoir than as a canal. A canal spreads abroad water as it receives it, and a reservoir waits until it's filled before overflowing. And thus, without loss, it itself communicates its superabundant of water. In the church at the present day, which would have been the 12th century when <laughs> he wrote this. <laughs> In the church at the present day, we have many canals, but few reservoirs. And wow. so, the goal of pastors' retreat is is to help fill you up because pastors are constantly giving, and you guys know this. They're constantly giving to people, um, and and what we see is that when these, to me, when these things in ministry happen, uh, a lot of times you can point to burnout or that pastors are just empty. Mm. They have nothing more to give and then that's mm-hmm. when things start to go sideways. Mm-hmm. And so the pastors retreat is um is a time where pastors can come be in a safe place. They can hear from other pastors on our team who have walked this journey and experience rest and renewal. Um one of my favorite things Nathan Foster is is one of our team members that leads this retreat. And one of the things that he does at the beginning of the retreat is he says, if you need to miss a session and take a nap, then we <laughs> want you to take a nap. Amen. <laughs> and I think that's so key um, for pastors. And I would even, yeah, even people going through trauma, you know, trauma. One time a very wise person told me, you know, trauma equals rest. Uh, mm. you have to have rest uh, in order to walk through walk through trauma and uh so back to your question that the pastors retreat is our primary focus on pastors now we're looking at other things at this point but that is our our primary ministry of providing them a safe place where they can come they can talk to uh their peers about mm. what's going on we do what's called a listening group um, uh, that's a, a resource that we have through Renovari. Uh, it's called the Burning Heart uh, Listening Groups. But well, we had the pastors um, getting these listening groups, and and it's this environment where you really don't have an opportunity to give advice. You just have an opportunity to share. Uh, and then if someone maybe hears a word, um, they can share that. But but it's kind of the it's not your traditional small group. Mm-hmm. And so in in those listening groups we just experienced pastors. One, one pastor told me, you know, I was so surprised because we got together in these listening groups and all of us vomited. That's the word that he used. Mm-hmm. All of us vomited what had been happening in our ministry. Mm-hmm. So it, it's this kind of space that you can come be safe and and, and talk about these things that you really can't talk to other people about you know, pastors certainly can't talk to fellow parishioners in a lot of a lot of instances, and so it's 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 a safe place allows them to refocus. Um, the reason it's called first love it allows them to refocus on their first love, mm-hmm. which is Christ, and and to think about their own spiritual journey, so that they can fill up, um, so that they can continue in ministry. And I think. And you guys know this, but Barna released a uh, a poll last year. I think it was maybe thirty eight or thirty nine of all pastors at that point were thinking about leaving ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, it feels like this is uh, such a time to just really speak into pastors and and to um, to care for them. So that's our primary ministry for pastors at this point. And uh, having
3: been there uh, last year, uh, representing PIR and, and uh, offering coaching, uh, I was surprised at just how healing and beautiful it was for me uh, to hear the yeah. speakers, to enjoy the worship, and oh my goodness, the grounds of Glen Erie Castle. <laughs> what a beautiful place to hold a retreat. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I met with a group of pastors just to kind of just see how they were experiencing the event. And I just, I asked a very vanilla question, like, you know, how are you experiencing the event? And it was so curious that two of them talked about the grounds and one, you know, we meet in this, this castle uh, that the the founder of Colorado Springs, uh, Palmer was his last name that he built. But one of the pastors said the way the bricks are interlocked together on the castle makes me feel safe here. Wow. And I thought that was such a, a, a interesting <laughs> thing for him to say to such a basic question. Uh, and then another pastor said, yeah, as soon as I entered in the Canyon, cause Glenn area is kind of in this little Canyon. He's like, as soon as I entered in the Canyon, I, I felt safe. Hmm. Um, so that's that's really key um for for that event and I'm glad you mentioned the coaching because we have we have spiritual direction at the retreat we have marriage coaching uh at the retreat we have Sean you to Sean and another uh, associate from PIR will be there to do coaching as well and then there's a a prayer room in the afternoons uh, where people can just uh, pastors can schedule time to be prayed for because you think about it. How many you know? How many times are pastors prayed for? You know they're constantly praying for other people, really on a daily basis. Right after every meeting, they're probably praying for people. But uh, how many times are they prayed for? So we'll have a prayer room where pastors can come and just just be prayed for. So it's it is all about caring. Um, for the spiritual life of the pastor. and
3: there's great food and great conversations around the table at meals and uh, yeah it's I highly recommend uh, this retreat. It's, it's really well done, Monty. Good job.
0: <laughs> well it's a team of people and uh, I think our whole staff has a, a passion for caring for pastors so I, I think that part makes it extra special.
3: So, what are the dates for the retreat in 2023? Uh, how can yeah, a Pastor I'm sign? Glad up? you asked.
0: Uh, <laughs> April 24th through the 27th of 2023, and you'll notice we've actually been very intentional with those dates. So, those dates are after Easter, <laughs> and so um, hopefully, pastors are going into kind of their slower time of, of, you know, church activity after Easter until school starts. And so we did that intentionally so that they can uh, kind of fill up at this retreat and then really take the next two or three months to think about their own journey Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and practices. So that is specific Mm. by design, Um, April 24th through 27th. um, You can, I imagine I'll send you a link that you can put in the podcast but uh, you can go to renovari.org forward slash first love uh, or under our events page at renovari.org uh, and find, and find out about it. So we would, we would love, mm. love to have your listeners come and, and let us just love on them for, for a couple days.
2: That's beautiful. That's great. Well, Monty, we, like to end our podcast, uh, to inviting our guests to answer the same question each time. What, what words of hope would you like to offer to pastors?
0: I just want your pastors to remember how in love the savior is with you and how proud Christ is of your ministry. And that I hope they feel the Trinity looking down and smiling. Um, you know, I think in ministry, we do a really good job of beating ourselves up, saying, this isn't what I hoped for. This is not what I was thinking. But I I hope, I hope you hear the Savior saying, that's my kid. That's my mm. kid. Um, I think the one image that came to me this morning is Christ walking alongside your pastors. But it's not with his it's not with his arm over the top of your shoulders like typically people walk it's his arm up underneath your shoulder blades and so that at times he's almost carrying you mm. and i hope that you just think about that picture mm. that that's that's the savior that's his love he he's right there and and i think sometimes we forget to look over, right? Mm. To look over and see that he is right there. So just be encouraged. You're doing to me the, the hardest job in the world in many ways, but be encouraged and know that uh, you were designed for this and that the savior is right there walking with you with his arm underneath your shoulder blades, helping you along.
3: Monty, thank you so much for your time, your graciousness in Mm -hmm. sharing your own story. Um, We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We do.
0: Thank you, guys. I I hope it helps people. I'm, I'm honored to be asked.
2: And we want to thank our listeners also and invite you to access uh, this and all our podcasts on our webpage, hoperenewpodcast.com. We would love to hear your feedback and your comments there. It is our prayer that your hope is continually being renewed as you trust in Jesus, the Savior, who deeply loves you.
1: Thank you for joining us on Hope Renewed, Please help us reach more pastors by sharing this episode with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify, or your favorite platform for receiving podcasts. Thank you. This means the world to us. The Hope Renewed Podcast is brought to you by PIR Ministries. At PIR, we partner with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration. Pastors, our goal is to help you cultivate new hope for healthy life and ministry. We do this by building relationships. We train both pastors and churches to promote a culture of ministry health. If you've experienced a forced exit from ministry, we provide a process of restoration for you and your family. We also have proven resources and tools to assist you in the challenges of ministry life. To contact us or to learn more about PIR, visit PIRministries.org.